special guest to drywind.net, Dr. L.A. Marzulli, the best-selling author of the Nephilim Trilogy. He received an honorary doctorate from Pacific International University for his work on the biblical subject of the Nephilim. And his new book, Politics, Prophecy, and the Supernatural, and there's a subtitle here, The Coming Great Deception in the Luciferian Endgame, further expands on his considerable research in the subject of UFOs, abduction phenomena, genetic manipulation, and supernatural phenomena from the grounding of solid biblical prophecy. Uh, I note he's also a regular guest on Coast to Coast, and a very popular one, I note, as well. Lynn came to know Jesus Christ after the delusion and deception of New Age spiritualism. And you can purchase his book, subscribe to his newsletter, and find a wealth of information on his website at spiraloflife.com. One of the things that uh, I thought we might talk about, since it's the first of the year here, is, like you, I stay try to pay attention to the news of, of events of, of strange mm-hmm. character, and it seems like 2008 is just off the map. Already in 2008, uh, we've got the Stephenville, Texas UFOs, uh, mm-hmm. even in the first of the year, orange orbs were seen over the UK and La Jolla. We've got Virgin Mary apparition sightings <laughs> and, and being photographed in Washington State. And then you know, I think you noted there's some Mothman uh, activity as well out there. So what do you think of this, Lynn? Are, we, are things accelerating here? Well, I, I, first of all, Daryl, thanks for having me back on. It's, it's a pleasure being here, and uh, thank you for that wonderful introduction. But uh, there's a quote that I use all through the book. I keep returning the reader to it, and the quote is basically this. The, ple- the present political landscape is in direct correlation to supernatural events that happened, in some cases, millennia ago emphasis on supernatural events and unfortunately in the west with the age of reason we have um, distanced ourselves from things of the supernatural and so for the most part if if any of this happens in other words if you can't prove it scientifically um, and if if you if you can't hold it like have empirical knowledge where you can see it study it put it on, on your the microscope of science so to speak and I use that microscope of science term rhetorically, but if you can't touch it in an empirical way and experience it and duplicate that experiment <clears throat> to someone else in a laboratory over and over again, then people won't believe you. And unfortunately, the supernatural just does not work like that. <clears throat> if the mythos of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah is true, and of course I adhere to that and believe it is true, Jesus walking on the water is just one of many supernatural acts that he did while he was here, which are completely off the charts. We have no idea what mechanism he used and how he was able to do that. But, of course, being the Son of God, as I believe and I know you believe, then he was able to, to do these things. Supernatural events, to get on point here and to answer your question, are beginning to manifest, and that with regularity. And certainly, we, we, I believe that we're seeing a burgeoning of these events and things are ramping up. Uh, I know in August, for instance, if you if there's a uh, George Filer publishes a weekly publication called Filer's Files, right? And he keeps tabs on uh, UFOs around the globe, not only in the states but around the globe. And he sent me this interesting article where uh, he showed from April to August a steady increase 
and saucers, and it peaked. It went from April, they were running around 250 to 300. All of a sudden, for some unknown reason, sightings almost doubled, actually did double, up around 650. So, it's, uh, you know, I believe these things are, are happening. And what's, what's really interesting, you know, which to me, if, if our government was genuine, if it, really, if it really cared, then certainly they wouldn't trot out the absurd remark to the Stevensville UFOs several weeks later, oh, oh, we had 10 F-16s in the air. Yeah. I mean, it's just absolutely absurd. And, of course, the pilot who observed this craft, you know, just, just kind of smiled and laughed and said, you know, excuse me, they, they weren't F-16s. I know what F-16s look like. This was a, a seamless craft. Interestingly enough, I was able to contact one of the witnesses, one of the key witnesses, mm-hmm. Um, and I'll just, for your audience, I think they'll find this fascinating. It will be in my February newsletter, at least the, um, the kind of an outline of what, this, what, this, what we discussed. I took notes fast and furious longhand um, when I was talking to this gentleman, and I sent him my book, and he has promised to contact me in about a month's time. He's trying to process what he saw. He's trying to fit it into his worldview and into his paradigm, and, of course, he's having a great difficulty and his his one one um, one sentence, which just just kind of blew me away, and, and really really kind of sums the whole thing up. He says he does not know how to deal with what he saw, does not know how to deal with it, and he says I can never go back. I can never things can never go back to the way they were. My blinders were taken off. Things can never go back to the way they were. I asked him how big this craft was, and he commented. That, um, that he didn't tell me how big it was. We know from, uh, from the, the, the sightings that this thing was over a mile wide. I mean, the thing right. is huge, just huge. It, it's a mothership. I and mean, when you think of a mile you know, wide, and this, of course, I mean, I get into all this in my book. I mean, I, I talk about the coming great deception will be this event. I truly believe that the deception coming on the planet, coming on planet Earth, coming things that are coming on the earth, as Jesus himself says very succinctly in Matthew 24, men will faint from fear from things coming on the earth. And I think, I think Christians need to understand that what is coming is, is unbelievable. And then, of course, you've got to read the rest of the verse when, when Jesus himself says, well, when you see these things, lift up your head for your redemption, your hope, draws nigh. It's coming. In other words, the second coming of Christ is right after these things. So as Christians, one, we should not be scared. Jesus himself is giving us a briefing and telling us exactly what is coming on the earth. We should be aware. We should be um, on guard of what is coming, and we should have an answer to what's coming on the earth. But what's interesting about this, this man saw this craft. He says he wasn't afraid. Apparently he he travels in structural engineering. I don't know whether he's a structural engineer or he, he puts things together. I have no idea. I didn't have time to ask him that. But he says he wasn't afraid when he was looking at it, and he was looking at it and observing it from a structural standpoint. And it, it dawned on me, um, it, it was kind of like rushing through my head. In other words, it was, it was almost like mm-hmm. the brain is like flipping out. Because here's something that's completely outside anybody's paradigm, unless you've seen one. I saw one when I was 13, but I saw a small craft, you know, the typical, the typical small disc. I didn't mm-hmm. see a mile-wide, you know, mothership. It's just ridiculous. And this guy, it's dawned on him why he's looking through this thing, 
that you know he's trying to figure out how this thing is put together. It was utterly seamless. So the idea of ten F sixteen and by the way it was completely noiseless. It never it never made a sound. He studied the structure. He was trying to figure out how the thing worked. Um, he's not drawn any conclusions. He has literally been um, he's being pressured. Mm -hmm. He is being pressured. He wouldn't say by whom, but he would. Uh, he just kind of chuckled when I said the government. So draw your own conclusions there. Right. Uh, he's had conversations with friends about it. He's had calls as far as way as New York City about it, and um, he's just what what I guess what really bothers him is he had these phone calls from the people that were pressuring him, and they were warning him, and they were bringing up stuff that he had told people. So he's being monitored, he's being checked, and you know the government, for whatever reason, well, we know the reason. They're trying to keep the lid on this thing, right. so that's why they give us this, this nonsense, this absolute absurd story of 10 F-16s flying over, which completely is contradictory to what the witnesses saw. And this, of course, you know, it would have washed in 47 or 48 or yeah. in the 50s, you know, because the people, people back then, just, just not that they were stupid, but they trusted the government. Something happened in our country, and I believe this, after the Kennedy assassination. When you look at what happened in this country, JFK, Martin Luther King, and RFK, I mean, it's, you know, one is... It's something's going on here, folks, and I don't like it. When well, you, obviously, when, I mean, uh, Eisenhower warned us about the, the military-industrial complex, and you know, it was only a few years after that that we, you know, we see these, you know, these large military-industrial, uh, you know, spins on information within uh, not only our own government but even in our own uh, private media. So it's and, it's, it's and very whatever. Yeah, I, I agree with everything of the Stone film on JFK. And, you know, Stone says himself, look, it's a composite of different theories. I'm not saying this is the truth. Right. You know, he's taking it and making it a composite. Of course, if you don't know the history of it, then, then you can't follow really what he's doing, and it can become very disingenuous because, you know, it's all theory. He can't prove it. It's just this is based on different conspiracy books. The one part of the movie which is not based on conspiracy books, is that clip you just talked about of Eisenhower warning us against the industrial, military-industrial complex. I mean, that's not tampered video. That's the real deal. So that's, that I find, you know, just incredibly interesting. Yeah. But for, go ahead. Well, one of the things that I find interesting right now is we have two forces coming towards each other. We have this government that refuses to talk about it, and, and world governments. And then we have this growing movement towards disclosure and the uh, exopolitics uh, movement. And in some cases, these movements are very couched in New Age terminology, mm -hmm. New Age philosophies. So it's, you know, at, on top of this, then we have our mainstream media. And one of the things that really has struck me in, in you know, paying attention to this subject over the years is now, back again, are all of these events on mainstream media. And we saw in November, you know, a year ago, over a year ago, that uh, the Chicago Tribune did a full, you know, investigation of the sighting over O'Hare right. Airport in Chicago. It right. was a very journalistically open article. And, you know, that seemed to have opened the floodgate to some degree to the mainstream media on this subject. So now that adds more weight uh, to, the, uh, to the movement to disclose, and I put disclose in quotation marks, because in listening to some of these folks that are pushing for disclosure, it, it seems like they want to disclose, you know, their agenda. They believe these creatures are here for good. 
Right. They, they believe that these are extra bi terrestrial biological entities. They dismiss the, any discussion of multidimensional aspects right. of this philosophy. Correct. So that's one of the things that uh, interests me. I don't know if you've noticed that uh, that trend. Is oh, I have, and it, you know, it, it it it's very it's very upsetting because um, if if you're not coming, if you're not if you're not armed spiritually, you will be deceived. I mean, Absolutely. you know, Jesus himself basically tells us that you know that even the elect would be deceived. And those are those are should be the most sobering words in the Christian church today. Look, I and, and this is and I'm not I'm not saying this stuff to disparage the body of Christ, but I I am alarmed when someone when I call two or three different pastors in Stevensville area yes. and offer my services. I will come down and I'll talk to the congregation. I'll come down for free. I've got you know three novels and one book. I've traveled in this stuff for 25 years. The whole, the whole subtitle of my book is The Coming Great Deception of a Luciferian Endgame, and the pastors go, no, thank you. I mean, blatantly go, not interested, no, thank you. And, I mean, there it is. They've just had an encounter in their town that, that bends their paradigm, their religious paradigm, completely out of shape, and they don't want someone like me who's got at least answers. And, you know, I've got an honorary doctorate based right. on this stuff. I mean, I've traveled in it for over 20 years, and I, I, think, I've, I've, I think I've put some stuff together. I want to read your, your audience something. This is from uh, a book by Lying Wonders by Bob Kaminsky, and this guy was way ahead of his time. Uh, he's, he's deceased now, and the book is out of print, so it's really hard to get a hold of. Mm -hmm. But he has this... He has this little quotation here, and this is exactly this is exactly what I believe is the Luciferian endgame for Batum. Now, I never met Mr. Kaminsky. I only know that Mr. Kaminsky and myself arrive at the same conclusions. You know, apart from one another, there's no collusion between us. I've never met him, never talked to him. He's, when I got the book, he had already he had already passed away, and I got I think there was like three left, and I bought them all. Anyway, he, this is what he writes: Suppose an evil alien command force developed a significant plan of deception for Earth. The plan was introduced to certain elect leaders of the world. Let's also say that aliens came in their magnificent spaceships and landed at a base where they were anticipated. Upon landing, they met in secret with military and civilian leaders. One of the civilian leaders was a prominent representative of a large Christian denomination. During the course of the meeting, the Earth leaders were shown many spectacular wonders. One being a holographic representation of Jesus being crucified and dying on the cross. Mm. The aliens demonstrating their intellectual and technological marvels were able to convincingly suggest to Earth's leaders, including the prominent church leader, that it was the alien hierarchy that brought man to this world. They alone invented God and religion to control man's development, environment, and destiny. That it was the aliens themselves who invented and inspired the Bible. Jesus was their invention, and it was all a ploy to keep mankind under their managed care, something like a cosmic HMO, only a lot bigger. And it's like, I mean, here it is. This is, this is what I truly believe is, is the end-time event. This is the alien gospel. This is the coming great deception. And again, the church, the church looks at these things in Revelation, and it, and it talks about a one-world religious system and a one-world government. How the heck are you going to get 1.2 billion Muslims? Yes. And let's say only 2% of them are, are fanatic. Let's just say only 2%. But we, we know that it's actually a lot more than 2%. And, you know, if you leave Islam, then you, you have a death sentence on your head. I mean, that's it. If you, if you leave Islam, let's say, and convert to Christianity, they will, they'll try to kill you. You can't do that in Islam, okay? That, that's the tenets of their religion. How are you going to get 1.2 billion Muslims to change their worldview, how are you going to get most of the 1.5 billion Christians to change their worldview? Well, if you've got a holographic film of Jesus 
and other religious figures, and you've got a three-mile-wide ship over, let's say, uh, Baghdad or Babylon and the White House at the same time, guess what? Like this guy I, that I spoke to, who's, this thing was only a mile wide, but that's, that's big enough. Yeah. When I spoke to this gentleman in Stevensville, Texas, his worldview, his paradigm was completely shook up. He's trying to figure out how to process this thing. If I see it, if I see it, the first words out of my mouth are, the blood of Jesus Right. That's the first thing out of my mouth. And the second thing is, Lord, the Lord rebuke you, period. I don't care what they do to me. That, that's the two things out of my, out of my mouth. Because I, I truly believe, and I'm on fire about this in case you haven't noticed, that this is the coming great deception. The church is asleep. They are going to be broadsided. And this, of course, talks when the Second Thessalonians talks about this great falling away. And, you know, people have, have twisted this scripturally to, to, to somehow make it the rapture. And it's not the rapture of the church. The word is apostasy. Mm-hmm. It's apostasio in the Greek, which is what we get our word apostasy from. So it has nothing to do with the rapture, in my opinion, nothing. And this thing has been twisted now to, well, you know, the great falling away sea, it's all pre-trip, we're going to get out of here. No, it's no. not. If you really look at what the scripture says, it says that day will not be revealed until the man of sin is, is revealed and until the great falling away happens. So this great falling away happens first, then the man of sin is revealed. And there's nothing, I mean, what would cause a great falling away? And, you know, we've had, we've had this gradual falling away. I mean, when you well, look absolutely. at Europe. I mean, you know, one of the things that I've noticed is, now I can talk to some pastors about this subject individually. But they just do not want to touch it when it comes to their pulpits. No. I think they feel like, well, I'm going to be, you know, ridiculed and that sort of thing. But some are beginning to to recognize it. And one of the things that, that seems to be getting their attention is the rise of what I call experiential Christianity. Hmm. And this is the infusion of Eastern metaphysics. Right. And, um, and, and I studied uh, in, in English uh, as an English major and, of course, I'm very familiar with Jacques Derrida and, and deconstruction. And so you have this, well, you can believe anything you want because whatever you read in the Word of God is your own interpretation and all interpretations are equally valid. On top of this infusion of, you know, New Age, uh, you know, essentially uh, idolatry, you know, quite frankly. And, you know, one can see that the softening up of the church is already beginning, and they recognize it. Now you just need to connect the dots that these events are occurring. People are seeing these events, um, you know, and and Christians don't want to talk about it. And I just feel like, you know, that's that's very sad. Well, not not only is it sad, it's 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 actually going against the command of Jesus Himself, telling us in all three synoptic gospels, Matthew twenty four. Mark 13 and Luke 21, where Jesus gives us a command and different, different, uh, you know, passages in that, in those chapters, but it's in there. Read, read the chapter because it's all the synoptic gospels. He's saying, watch, watch, watch. There's all three gospels that tell us to watch these things, to watch these signs, watch what is coming down. Not build a bunker in Idaho, you know, not, not run around, not stick your head in the sand, but to watch. Watch and be ready for the signs of the times. Interestingly enough, he, Jesus himself held the nation of Israel accountable to know the prophecy of Daniel, Daniel, uh, Daniel 9, where it talks about the 70 weeks of Daniel, and it tells from the time that the decree goes out to rebuild uh, the temple until Mashiach comes, there'll be so many years. Jesus held them, holds the nation of Israel accountable, and even says, you know, you, you know Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you did not know 
the day of your visitation. And he, of course, he lists all the things that are going to happen because, you know, you did not know the day of your peace. You did not know the day of your visitation. So he holds them accountable. At the end of Daniel, it says, you know, the, the, that the wicked will continue to be wicked, but the wise will understand. And I consider myself a wise man, not because I'm smart. I'm not a smart guy. But I'm a wise man because I've studied prophecy and I believe that with the nation of Israel being born again in a day which fulfills Ezekiel 37 and the manifestation of supernatural events that are just burgeoning around our planet, that his second coming is, is nigh. It's, it's here. It's, it's, I think it's going to happen in our lifetime. And I, just, I can't believe I'm reading all these signs wrong. I might not have, you know, like, like what's his face, uh, <laughs> The Left Behind series, he's got that the whole Tim chart. LaHaye, yeah. yeah, Tim LaHaye, he's got the whole chart. He's got everything all figured out. <laughs> I don't have anything figured out. And I don't know what comes down and how it comes down. I think that the next thing on the prophetic cycle, or landscape, I should say, would be the war of Ezekiel 38 and 39. And, of course, that's what I write about. I feel that right. that, that war will trigger the supernatural. That, and I've said that all along. I, I, that's what the, my, you know, politics, prophecy, and supernatural, the book's thrust of that. And when you get to the end of the book, the conclusion of the book is that this Ezekiel war is going to happen. From that, Israel will respond with a nuclear response. And from that, we will see the supernatural manifest on the earth like never before, i.e., one mile, three mile, two mile wide UFOs over the major cities of the earth. And this will cause this incredible paradigm shift that, uh, that I would take place, this great falling away. Absolutely. Um, one of the things that uh, has struck me is um, there are a lot of folks talking about this subject. Just the other night, John Myler was on Coast to Coast. You know, I don't, you know Richard Serrett uh, regularly has Ali Siadatan, who has uh, created a film um, dealing with the Genesis 6 uh, UFO, a Nephilim well, connection. You know, well, so there's a lot of folks, and just myself, I see the rise of the messages coming out, and I, I personally think these messages are from the Holy Spirit. Hmm. And I, you know, I wonder if, you know, there can't be more of a, a serious study in this or, or conferences in this. And, and I know, you know, that. That may not be possible. I know Chuck Missler, uh, a few years ago, when he came out with his book, right. uh, they did have a conference in Roswell, New Mexico, and uh, Michael Heiser, I believe, was there. Right, and, right. And it was you know, fairly well received. But I haven't seen too much of that since then. Now, there, it is, it's almost like you're getting more of this information, thank God, via the mainstream media, and, and I call Coast to Coast the mainstream media. Have you considered collaborating with, and I know you're friends with, with some of these excellent authors and thinkers on this subject, considered collaborating at all with them? We, we kind of danced around it. The, the problem is, is um, well, not the problem, but um, Tom Horn is sort of a hub for all of us. Uh, Heiser really doesn't, doesn't, hasn't really been in, included in that circle for whatever reason. Uh, Mike, I think, has kind of danced away from, from him for whatever reason. But Patty Heron and myself... Um, David Flynn is published through Tom. Uh, I, my, this book is published through Tom Horn, although um, it's, it's just he's, he's such, a, such a small publishing house that it's difficult for him to really, you know, get it out in, into the stores, and so it's, it's not, and that's, that, that's the problem I'm having with it. But, you know, getting, getting back on point, by the way, he's a great guy. Tom Horn is just, 
the guy's amazing. He's just a wonderful man, and he really knows his stuff. And he was a pastor for like, I don't know, 25, 30 years. Right. So in some ways, I, I consider him like um, sort of the hub. And what was interesting for me is when, when my first book, Nephilim, came out, which came out after Chuck's book. Chuck's book came out first, then my book came out. But I actually sent the early manuscript to, to Chuck, and um, his co-author, I forget the man's name, flew up to see David Flynn. Mark Eastman, so, I believe. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Eastman flew up to to speak to David Flynn, and a lot of their information came really from David Flynn. David Flynn was the guy. Why? Why the rest of the church was asleep? He was screaming at the top of his lungs, Genesis six, and continues to do so today. Uh, my hat is off to the man. He's amazing. My mentor was Dr. I. D. E. Thomas, which of course wrote the Omega Conspiracy. Now Tom Horn's Anomalous Publishing House has picked up that book because it was out of print. And uh, it, it, I believe it's I believe it's about to be released again. The Omega Conspiracy. Oh, that's great I, I, news. That's great yeah, news. it's a, it's a great book, and it's really the primer for anyone who wants to um, delve into Genesis six. I mean, t you know, Doctor Thomas, you could make a case for Doctor Walter Martin, uh, but they both surfaced about the same time. I think I think Martin's maybe a little ahead of Doctor Thomas, but. Thomas's Thomas's book was published, I think, in '86. I'm not, I'm not positive. I think it's '86, and um, of course, that book it became a bestseller. And it's I, I drew my theology uh, from from a whole Nephilim trilogy from Dr. Thomas. And of course, what I did is I took many of the books that which he alludes to, and I have them in my library, and I read through them cover to cover. Not Josephus, but but you know certainly some of the other ones, Earth's Earliest Ages by Pember. And you remember when that when that book that book's over well over a hundred years old, mm -hmm. and and Pember's nailing it down. Pember's Pember's talking about this 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 rising uh, this this rising um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, well, it's it's the occult that's starting to manifest, and right. and and Pember's like pointing to Vatsky, which is the mother of a new age, and 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 this whole deal. And going, wow! It's like this is it. You know, it, we're, we're moving into the end times. And of course, this is well before Israel's back into the homeland. So, you know, well, when you know, you, when on, you, that, on that subject, um, one of the things that I'm starting to explore a little bit, and I know I'm not the only one to do this. Um, Stephen Eulish has has delved into this area, but because he's a, a messianic uh, Jew, a believer, and well, he focuses on Israel a lot. And, and one of the things that I have done is I've been very interested about the the ebb and flow of these UFO, and I, it's not, and, and as you know, it's not only limited to UFOs and abductions. It's it includes sightings of of what can only be described as demonic entities, right? And, you know, increasing and then decreasing over time. And one of the things that strikes me is a, just a giant spike around the 1890s. Huh. And you know, you have the airships uh, seen over right. Ohio, Texas, and, and, and the whole thing. Right. Sure. And, you know, I thought, well, why is that? Now, that's odd. And then, you know, I, I just been connecting the rise of Zionism. At that time, you know, there was serious discussion in the U.K. and, and even among Amer American uh, evangelicals at that time of really the Jews returning to Israel and the land of Israel, the land that, that God gave them. Right. And right after that, you have this spike. And then we noticed, uh, you know, the Balfour uh, resolution declaration, uh, right? Declaration, right? With uh, Britain, who you know was going to carve out some land for the Jews, and then right after that, we have the Fatima incident. Um, you know, so there is 
something connected. I don't want to make a one-to-one comparison necessarily uh, and go overboard on it. But at the same time, as you suggested, then we have the the rise of Nazism and this Holocaust. And the Holocaust, of course, yes. And then we have 47, and, you know, and then, you know, in, in, in 1947, there was serious discussion of founding the nation of Israel, even though it happened in 48. It wasn't like right. it just happened out of the vacuum. There was a real movement towards that. So there is, there does seem to be, um, you know, I've always heard that look towards Israel as the bellwether of prophecy. Mm-hmm. Um, some people, of course, vehemently disagree with that. But if you look at these these strange events, there does seem to be some kind of correlation. And, and I, I couldn't agree with you more, Daryl, and I think that the, the church really needs to look at everything that you just said makes, makes so much sense. When you look at the 1890s, when, when the beginnings of Zionism, or the, the, just the thought of Israel returning to its homeland, began to be talked about in, in different political circles on the planet at that time, and, and the enemy is desperately trying to foil this thing, which, of course, is why we're going to see this, uh, this, this whole confederacy of nations come up against modern-day Israel. Because, once again, I believe that the enemy is fueling this thing and is desperately trying to destroy uh, the Jewish people, which is, why, which is why the Holocaust. And you can certainly make a case that, that after the Holocaust in 44-45, the whole manifestation of the Foo Fighters over Germany which to me, the, the sacrifice of the Jews, and I write about this in Politics, Prophecy, and the Supernatural, was actually a Luciferic sacrifice. It was, they knew exactly what they were doing. The bodies stacked up like cordwood, doused with gasoline, and burned. It's literally Holocaust. Holocaust is from the German Holocaustin, which actually means as on, a, as on, a, as on an altar, as on a, a, burnt, a burnt offering is on an altar. That's what it means. So, I mean, the, the Nazis knew exactly what they were doing when they, when they did this. It was very, very deliberate. And, of course, this kind of, this kind of atrocity, again, from the Western mind, we can't get our heads around it because it's a, it's a, there are supernatural entities that were involved in this thing. And, and, and I realize that there, there are books that, that counter Trevor Ravenscroft's um, claim that you know Hitler might have been possessed, but certainly there, like Joseph Carr, the Twisted Cross makes a very good case that that Hitler and the henchmen and the the higher ups were literally occult adepts. They knew what they were doing, the whole SS and the foundation of the SS and the Death Skull, and and it was in some ways like a manifestation of the Antichrist, like a type of Antichrist. It wasn't the Antichrist, but it certainly was a manifestation of a type of what what we're looking for. So I mean, I I concur. You know, Fatima, you mentioned Fatima to me, and I have a whole section of Fatima. Uh, There are these these, these two books that I would highly recommend um, where these guys go actually go back and they actually interview the witnesses. And remember, 1917, there's no paradigm for UFO or flying saucer. It's not in the lexicon. The people on Earth have no idea what they're looking at. Mm -hmm. And what, what appears over Fatima is this disc. I mean, witness after witness calls it, I looked up and saw a dull silver disc. I looked up and saw a silver disc. I looked up and there was a spinning disc. Disc, disc, disc. I mean, nothing to do with the Virgin Mary. Zero, zip. Why wouldn't they say something else? And, of course, the Catholic Church has just twisted this thing, and it's become so sacrosanct, and it's a holy cow that no one can uh, talk about it. You know, it's, and, and, and what I found really interesting, and I, I did some probing on this, and uh, some research on it. 
the current pope had a um, a cardinal that worked for him. He, this man was made. His name was uh, Cardinal Bavoni, and Bavoni at one point he was made a cardinal on his deathbed, so to speak. But he worked for Benedict, and Benedict's name was Ratzinger, Cardinal Ratzinger. So Bavoni worked under Ratzinger in the Vatican, and Ratzinger had apparently read the Third Secret and was on board, completely on board with the whole Fatima deal. Read the Third Secret, did the whole deal. Then he does a flip-flop. In the year 2000, first of all, they don't read the secret. They don't make the secret public. Then they concoct this silly thing about the Pope's assassination attempt 20 right. years earlier as being the third secret. And you kind of go, huh? And people who were traveling in the Fatima thing were going, well, this doesn't make any sense. And it's a cover-up. Well, it's a cover-up, I believe, on, in, in ways that if the Catholic Church knew, I, and, and I can't prove any of this, this is total conjecture on my part, but when you Google Bavoni and when you watch what comes up, and especially read his eulogy, Bavoni was responsible for finding out and investigating the miracles attributed to the canonization process of saints. And what that means is, and it says very specifically, that he was, he was called in to differentiate between true miracles, false miracles, and ET intervention. Really? Yeah, really. And I about fell out of my chair when I read that. I just went, hey, what? What? And this man was right under Ratzinger. So now Ratzinger becomes Pope. And the first thing he does, and you can go on and Google this, Ratzinger distances himself from Fatima. And I'm, I'm quoting almost verbatim, saying that Fatima was for another time. And it begs the question, why would a man who was so vehemently on board with Fatima suddenly do a flip-flop, you know, 20 or 30 years later. And I believe it's because he's been brought in on the inside now. And he realizes that, you know, E.T. is here, and he can't say, you know, that Fatima was the, Mar the Virgin Mary, because if he does, he's, he's essentially lying. He can't say what it is, because then he's blowing the whistle, and he can't do that. So what does he do? He distances himself from Fatima and, you know, well, that's fine. You can believe, not believe, whatever. And he just kind of moves on, hope, hoping that people will forget it. I mean, I just find that whole thing just absolutely just overwhelming. It's, just, it's unbelievable. Right. And, you know, that's a strange nexus between these Marian sightings, you know, as a supernatural event. And, you know, with all respect to uh, the Virgin Mary, and, you know, we certainly we do respect her, um, I have to say that these these sightings that people seeing the messages that come from these entities, and I use that with you know in right. emphasis, that claim to be the Virgin Mary, are really just part and parcel New Age terminology. I mean, it's continually, um, you know, she's a co-redemptrist uh, yeah, with, with Jesus, which is not scriptural at all, of course, as we know. And you know, people are seeing these things, and not only people who are uh, dedicated, devout Catholics in the, in, with the Marian sect, there are just, you know, normal, I would say, I don't want to say normal, but I mean, you know, people that are not religious, secular people are seeing, you know, and, and the Mary, and, you know, it begins, you begin to see the connection between these UFO events, these manifestations of, of, of you know, Mary, and then things like the Mothman, which are 
off the track, uh, you know. So, you know, people like to throw UFOs into the mechanical, me mechanistic thing, and it's not that. And, and that is one of the most effective things, I think, that you do um, in your book. Um, so, uh, I mean, there, we could go on here. In fact, I, I'd like to actually make this a, a regular uh, regular thing, Lynn. I don't know if you'd like to do it maybe every, I'm every, sure I'd love every, to. every quarter or so, or even sure. as events warrant, if something right. Count on it. comes out. Uh, you know, certainly in the Middle East right now, things are heating up. And um, at the same time, we have these uh, these supernatural events that are heating up. And, yeah, it's the, the Middle East thing to me is, is a powder keg, and, and it's going to blow with the with the power. You see, this is this is the whole thing in the world. I mean, it's just such such nonsense. The Hamas, you know, it took settling torches and and cut through this metal barrier, which kept the Palestinians from Egypt. So so much for the so much for the Brotherhood of Islam, right? You know, right. keep these people out. And you know they flooded the Egypt, and now now what they're saying. Let me see if I can find it here. Um, I got an email. This is this is from a Depka file, and it's uh, it's recent. It's uh, let me just check what it is. Yeah, 26th of January. So this is like you know this is this is right right up our alley here. And they're talking about um, this is from a Debka file, and I, I check that constantly, and, and you know sometimes two or three times a day right. to see what's going on. But uh, they're talking about most highways of the southern Negev, which is a desert, which adjoins the Egyptian Sinai frontier. I'm reading from uh, the Debka file. Ordered to shut to civilian traffic early Saturday, January 26th, until further notice. This is Israel's most extensive terror, terror alert ever. Debka's files, military sources report the big Israeli and American air and military bases in the region are on high terror alert, and officers' families are being removed to central Israel, following intelligence warnings that Hamas, Jihad, Islami, and Al-Qaeda are preparing to launch suicide operations across the porous Egyptian border from the northern Sinai, and it goes on from there. So is this, is this a preload to the uh, Ezekiel 38-39? Here's the deal, and this is what people, your listeners, really have to get their heads around. I'm not making this stuff up, but here's the deal. This war is going to happen. Um, there is no doubt in my mind that this confederacy of nations, which is talked about in Ezekiel 38 and 39, will come up against the land of unwalled villages. All we need to do, and I get into this whole thing in, in, in the book. I document it. I just quotes from from our good friend Mahmoud, I'm in a jihad, or I'm, I'm in a jihad, which is his real name, but I, it, it's hysterical because it's just a few, a few little twists and you get, Mahmoud, I'm in a jihad. And he's, <laughs> he's, yeah, he's just, I mean, this guy is, quotes like, Israel was a dry river tree, soon to be thrown into the, into the sea, that it, it, he goes on and on. The ranting from, from Iran, the saber-rattling from Iran is unbelievable. And, of course, last summer when, when Israel did the uh, preemptive strike into Syria to take out a cache of nuclear material, which many believe could have been made into a dirty bomb, and then shortly a week or two after that, Israel saber-rattled right back in their faces. And this, to me, was absolutely unbelievable. Remember, Damascus is Isaiah 17, and it says very specifically that Damascus ceases to become a city. We know from his history that that's never happened, that Damascus has been in the continuous inhabited, the oldest continual inhabited city on the planet. So this this scripture in Isaiah 17 should be very 
sobering to the church because Israel for the first time said to Damascus, if you use chemical weapons against us, we will annihilate you. Mm -hmm. Not, you know, not tit for tat, we will annihilate you. You use chemical weapons on us, we're going to annihilate you. So, I mean, there's the line in the sand, literally, that the Israelis came out. And, of course, the church is clueless. Our media back here, clueless. That story wasn't run on, in mainstream press. Only the Depka file, Arut Sheva, Israeli papers, Israeli papers ran it. You don't hear a peep about that over here. But there, there's the deal. And, of course, that dovetails right into what I believe is the Isaiah 17 prophecy, which then uh, is, is, is linked to the Ezekiel 37-38 prophecy of the Gog-Magog war coming on Israel. And, again, it's not a doom and gloom scenario, because when you read Matthew 24, it says, Jesus says specifically, when you see these things begin to happen, look up. Look up. Look up, and that should be the call of the church. Look up, for your redemption is coming. Your hope, your deliverance is coming. And that hope and that deliverance in our, in our worldview is Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah. I can't wait. Glorious That's right. day. That's right. Well, let's, let's, uh, let's continue this uh, on, our, on the next, uh, next time. And uh, Lynn, I just want to uh, invite everyone to, to go out and get your book. And I, w I would invite people to read it with an open mind, and I would invite them to also give it to their pastors uh, so that they can, they can review this material. I think it's important that we get this information out, that people are aware that there are deceptions occurring. They're going to see things with their eyes. They're going to hear things with their ears that are going to blow them away. And if they don't have a firm grounding in Scripture... Uh, you know, deception can occur. Anyone is is subject to that. So, uh, with that in mind, I, I thank you for uh, for coming here tonight and uh, encourage everyone to visit SpiralOfLife.com for uh, for even more information. Uh, I believe you have a newsletter as well, right? The newsletter is great. It's a it's a buck fifty a month. You can cancel it any any time you want. You'll get. Uh, up, up to the minute interviews, for instance, this gentleman uh, at, at Stevensville, he's probably going to come on. I've got uh, a, a synologist probably next month. That interview will be complete. He's a man who studied the Shroud of Turin for over 30 years. He's got some fascinating discoveries, which, of course, the mainstream media isn't going to tell you. Um, I, I spoke and did an interview with the gentleman who actually was able to uh, repel Mothman by using the words, the blood of Jesus, he's a, he's a retired missionary, and on and on it goes. I mean, I'm constantly looking for people to interview, to talk about people who have either seen UFOs or seen um, some strange things or have traveled in the Shroud of Turin. So it's not only, um, you know, just news, news events of the day, but you also get these full in-depth interviews, which you can read that I've, that I've spent the time digging answers out of people and hopefully asking you tough questions. But I also, there's a, there's a whole, it's politics, prophecy, and the supernatural. So there's a section on politics, which are usually I'll, I'll either give links to where you can go and read what this is about, and then I'll, I'll give a lengthy commentary on some of these things which are happening, and, and I'll do that through the politics and the prophecy. And, of course, this month, Stevensville, uh, the February newsletter, it, the newsletter goes out on the last day of the month. So the January newsletter, which, which comes out, is actually the last day of January. That will be the January newsletter. And, of course, we'll be talking about the Stevensville um, sighting and, and the, the interview I did with the gentleman who actually saw the craft will be uh, verbatim in there also with my commentary on it. So it's, it's a buck fifty a month. I mean, you can't buy a cup of coffee for that. Right. So it's like, come on, guys. You know, I, I've, made it, I've made it user-friently, and you get it in an email, and you just you know, open it up and, and, and read it. So... 
I also, you know, you mentioned the pastor thing. I will come and speak at your church for free. Excellent. You just get me there, okay? I, I can't, I, you know, it's, I, I don't want any money. Just let me sell my books there, okay? If you want to give me a love offering, that's fine. Just get me there. I will come and speak to your church for free. I've got a PowerPoint presentation, and I'm on fire with this stuff, and I, I believe I've been called to do this at this particular time. So I'm ready.